As a church family, we are celebrating our 40th uh, birthday, and that's why there's a giant 40 on the back wall there. We've ha- uh, we have, over the last uh, few weeks, been engaging in 40 days of prayer. Many of you have been following along with our prayer guide, and that's kind of finishing up. We're finishing up a sermon series that was roughly 40 days on prayer. Today, we're talking specifically about praying for our city, praying for our community, and for those around us. And one of the things that we desire to be as a church family is to be not only people who pray for our city, but people who serve our city. And so we're transitioning from a time of, uh, of focus on prayer, which we want to be founded on prayer and on the Lord's uh, grace and generosity and provision for us. We're transitioning now into uh, acting out uh, our prayers in a, in a way uh, to serve our city. And so during the time of Lent, uh, so basically March 1st uh, through uh, roughly Easter, uh, we are going to be uh, encouraging encouraging everyone to participate in 40 Acts. Uh, there's, uh, we're going to be handing out uh, more information on that next week. We're also going to be sending out emails for those of you who get our email newsletter. So uh, pay uh, a watch uh, for that, and I'd encourage you to sign up for that as well. There'll be daily uh, devotions that are sent to you as well as uh, different ideas. For those of you who have younger children at home, we're going to be giving out uh, a wall calendar that has different activities and things that you can participate in as well. We want to do this because as a church family, we're always looking for ways to serve our community, to serve our city. Uh, Coming up in just a a little while here, we're going to be hosting some industry dinners. We sent out an email about that uh, last week. Uh, There's more information on those industry dinners. So if you're uh, in the medical field, if you're in IT or engineering, if you're in uh, business or business services, entrepreneurialism, uh, in the the ministry guide in the back of the seat in front of you, there's information on where you can find out uh, the schedule for our industry dinners. It's a time of uh, encouraging one another of networking with people from the community and from our church family, as well as um, some projects that we're going to be doing. We also have some roundtable uh, discussions coming up to go deeper into God's Word and think about how we apply that to actual life. Those are both coming up uh, here shortly in the next few weeks, and I'd encourage you to check, uh, take a look at that ministry guide and see uh, the more information there and find the different ways that you can be involved. We want to be a people who pray for our city, and today we are going to do something a little bit different, and that is this. I'm a little under the weather, and so I'm going to do half a sermon. Yeah. (laughs) But you ain't getting out of here with a half a sermon, okay? We ain't about that. Uh, Matt Hawkins, uh, our associate pastor, Matt, is going to finish up. He's going to do the second half of the sermon. So we are, for you old school WWF uh, fans, we are doing tag team preaching today. So I'm going to um, do the front half, and then Matt's going to bring us home. And uh, he said, uh, I, I asked him, I was like, what are you wearing? Because I don't want to get, uh, you know, embarrassed. And he said, well, I, I think I'm going to wear a blazer. <sighs> Fine. So I got a blazer and a tie because, I, you know, I can't be stood up by the associate pastor. I feel like everyone's asking me who died. Uh, <laughs> It's just I didn't want to, you know, I mean, you guys know what's up, right? Okay, so that's the only reason. So thank Matt for that. He's always uh, well-dressed and put together more so than I am. We want to pray for our city. We want to pray for our city. Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7, we're going to put it up on the screens. If you have a Bible app or a Bible in front of you, I encourage you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. And uh, Jeremiah 29, uh, 4 through 7, Jeremiah is in the Older Testament. If you're not sure where that is, you can look in your table of contents and find it there. And in Jeremiah 29, one of the things we find is uh, this letter written to exiles. And so it's the, uh, the, the Israelite people have been expelled, many of them, from their hometown of Jerusalem. 
they got taken over by the Babylonians, and they get kicked out, and they, uh, many of them are taken into exile into this place called Babylon. So when you hear Babylon, think kind of the, that's the bad guys who took over uh, Jerusalem, and a lot of people left in exile from Jerusalem to this other city named Babylon. And so if, those are, if there's some of you that are maybe familiar with the Bible and, and some of the, the, the accounts that are t- uh, given there, and uh, Jeremiah is roughly a contemporary, he's roughly writing this letter at about the time of Daniel. So you know that whole Daniel in the lion's den situation? You guys heard about that? That's the whole, it's a deal. It's a whole deal. Uh, so that's roughly the same time uh, just in human history that Jeremiah is uh, writing this letter here. And uh, maybe, uh, probably a little bit before that, but roughly the same time. And so this is what Jeremiah says uh, from, uh, God is speaking through Jeremiah, and this is what it says. Okay, this is Jeremiah 29, 4 uh, through 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This is the word of the Lord. Seek the welfare of the city and pray to the Lord for it. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Near the end of the sermon, uh, I'm going to ask you guys to take some of the index cards that are located in the back of the seat in front of you. You guys should be able to find those in the back of the seat along with some pens. And what I'm going to ask you to do is write down some of the needs that you recognize in our city that you want to commit to praying for. And so during the sermon, if something uh, is brought to mind, perhaps the Lord will bring something to mind, you might take that out and write on it. And then what we're going to do is we have our prayer wall in the back here, and as a means of committing that thing, that item, or those items to prayer, is on your way out this morning, I'd encourage you to pin that on the wall. We've been praying over these uh, prayer requests and praises and um, adorational statements to God. We've been praying over those uh, as a leadership And so I would encourage you today, as the Lord brings to mind different needs in our community, you could write that down, pin that to the back wall. Because we are commanded to pray for our city. The scriptures are saying to this uh, community of exiles, make homes, uh, marry, have children, plant gardens and eat of its produce. Uh, Though this is a strange land that you're in, settle down. Be a part of the community. And don't just be there, don't just live there as part of the city, but pray for the city. Seek its welfare, seek its flourishing. And all of us say, ah, that's nice. And and all of us say, oh, that's nice, right? Yeah, oh, isn't that wonderful to pray for the city? I just love praying for the city. It's so wonderful to pray for the city. I like praying for my city. I live here. We're not horrified at this command. Why not? I mean, Jesus said, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Right, that guy. How wonderful that is to pray for our city. I mean, this is easy, right? Uh, because I live here and because it's my city and, you know, I know some of the things that are going on. I just, I love to pray for my city. And maybe some of you do too. Do you? You just love it. 
Uh, here's the jam. Most of the time we're not doing it, and I'll tell you why we're not doing it, because it sucks. Because there are so many things in our city that we are disgusted by. There are so many things in our communities that we're frustrated with. I mean, even that idea, pray for your neighbors. I mean, have you been doing that? I mean, here's the deal, Phoenicians, you ready to get down? I mean, can we even name our neighbors by name? It's quiet. That's the sound of conviction, okay? Right? Pray for the city, right? Here's the deal. It's hard to pray for the city, especially if you live in where? Babylon. Right? Check this out. Who's God writing to? Okay, you guys, you guys, you guys got to fill me in here. Who's he writing to? Who's, who's Jeremiah speaking to here? Exiles, okay? So exiles. That means they got beat militarily. How do you feel when you get beat militarily about the people who beat you? Come on, it's okay, come on, I'm asking. How do you feel when you get beat? You feel bad. What do you think about the people who did the, to, who did the military conquest on your people? How do you feel about them? Do you call them names? Do you categorize them as subhuman beings? Yeah. Do you work for their welfare? Do you seek the welfare of their city? No, what do you do? You work against them in every possible corner, right? Think about how hard this command is to seek the welfare of the city. Now, check, chickity, chickity, check, okay? Watch this. Look at verse four. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. Okay, so I know not all of us are Christians here, and many of us are still trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out. But Christians, Brosif, they're weird. They're weird. And they say things about themselves, these Christians, they say things about themselves like, all I know is I'm not home yet, like I'm going home somewhere else. We say things like, we're strangers in a strange land. Uh, in the scriptures, Christians are called sojourners. They're called um, aliens. I know some of you are like, some of the Christians I know seem like aliens, right? They're foreigners. They're exiles. First uh, Peter, James, both call the church, speak of the church in this language of exiles or the dispersed or the sojourners. And so Christians have this thing where we feel like, okay, so I'm living in this city, but this isn't eternally my home, and so what do I do, especially when I see so much of the brokenness in my city? Many of us choose, instead of praying for the city and seeking the welfare of the city, many of us instead choose to simply abuse and use the city for our own means, and then just basically saying, I'm not going to do anything for my city because one day it's all just going to burn. I can't wait until that day happens. By the way, that day, that day historically, is about June 2nd when, the, when it gets to about 150 degrees, and Phoenix actually does burn every year. It's awful. We're called as exiles and aliens in a strange land to call this place our home, to treat the people around us like neighbors and family and to seek their welfare. It's interesting how many times um, this idea comes up in the scriptures. We are not simply called to pray for our friends, but we're called also by Jesus Christ. In Matthew 5, I think it's verse 44, he says, pray also for your enemies and for those who persecute you. Like, let's get real. Have you ever done that? And I'm not talking about pray for them like, God, kill them, 
right? I'm praying that you break their legs. I'm talking about praying for their flourishing, the type of prayers that Jeremiah is calling these people to pray for, pray for their welfare. Have you ever prayed for the flourishing? And I mean true, honest to goodness flourishing, not just their advancement, but flourishing, true human flourishing. Have you ever prayed for the flourishing of your enemy? It's awful. I mean, it's all, everything that it takes is, right? Pray for my friends. Done, Jesus, good, I'm good. Pray for my enemies, tomorrow. I'm gonna do that tomorrow. Right when, I, right, and when I go to the gym and start my diet, and then I'm gonna pray for my enemies, right after those things. It's hard to pray for Babylon, Babylon, especially when you see so much injustice. All right, let's get real. So um, in our community, there's a lot of things going on that are causing us to get out of sorts. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm just gonna say some words, and I want you to gauge your level of emotion. And I'm not, don't say anything, okay? And by the way, this church, I know because I'm getting your emails, we're all over the place when it comes to these things, okay? So don't, don't, don't be of the opinion necessarily that everyone at this church is of one way or the other. We're, we're just trying to figure this whole thing out. But if I said a word like immigration, How's our city doing as it relates to having um, respectful conversations? What if I said uh, gender? How we doing? Uh, What if I throw out something like a word like refugee? Well, up until like six months ago, I didn't think that that was controversial to talk about refugees. Now it's a thing. Now, right now, there's 20% of us who are like, what's he gonna say next? Is he gonna be on my side or the other side? That's the problem! Bro, we have so polarized issues to make it us versus them. We can't even have a conversation without yelling and screaming and calling each other, and this is for the Christians, calling each other, non, I can't, that's unchristian. You're opposite of me on this issue? That's not, you're, how do you even follow Jesus and believe that the Oakland Raiders are better than the Dallas Cowboys? I can't even believe you. I'm going to do the full sermon today, okay? Check it out. We have made important issues into toxic, galvanizing issues that we can't even talk. And we're not praying for our city. Listen, if you're posting before you're praying about something that's making you mad, you're not doing it right. All right. Prayerless, prayerless social media posts beget arrogance and fury. And prayerless protesting begets arrogance and smugness. And prayerless protesting about the protests begets oftentimes arrogance and smugness. And Protestants protesting against Protestants protesting, I don't even know what to do unless we're praying first and praying for the flourishing of those that are on the other side of the thing, that are on the other side of the aisle. Man, if our response to seeing these heavy, important issues is not first humbly praying not only for ourselves but also for those that are on the other side, we have a tendency to make the other person into the enemy that we are built to destroy as opposed to a friend that we are here to support and encourage? Are you praying for the welfare, the flourishing of those with whom you disagree? Here are some of the uh, just categories. Let's get down, right? Oh, by the way, John Piper says this. 
One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. Oh, microphone drop. <laughs> One of the great uses, he says, of social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, will be that at the last day, the judgment, that God will hear us say, I just didn't have enough time to pray, and he'll pull up all the hours logged on social media and be like, are you sure you want to say that to me? So who are we called to pray for? I'm glad you asked. And real quick, I mean, if you're posting about somebody you disagree with more than you're praying for them and seeking to have an actual conversation, we might be doing it wrong. How about your neighbors? You praying for your neighbors, your actual neighbors? The one with the bad paint job? The one with the weeds that are diminishing the property value of your home that you're talking about every other night at dinner? Hmm, you praying about them? Have you offered to help cut their weeds? Just spray some of that weed killer and let, let it drift. Like put up an industrial fan. You don't even have to ask. Just take care of it. Right? Are you praying for the neighbors with the unruly kids, the loud music, the dogs, the cats, the too many cars, the neighbors? Are we praying for our government? Hello. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. You pray, and I don't care if they're red, blue, pink, yellow, it doesn't matter to me. The scriptures call us to pray for the flourishing, the true flourishing of our leaders. You're praying for the police and those who enforce the law and for their well-being, even if you disagree with how it's being done. I mean, are you praying for the DMV, guys? <laughs> Every time I'm in the DMV, I am praying. <laughs> Not for their flourishing. How about the marginalized, the poor, the sick, the elderly? The elderly. I mean, my goodness, how many of the retirement communities have we driven past just to get here this morning with not a moment's thought about those who are finishing out the latter years of their life cold and alone? The marginalized, the voiceless. Those who are experiencing crisis pregnancy, foster kids, foster parents, those who are in the process of adoption, immigrants, regardless of where they're from, and let me just be clear that I'm not making a statement here, but there are people in our community who have broken the law, and we are called to pray for all those people too, right? Murderers, felons, rapists, right? You run down the list. And here's the other thing too. Christian, Jesus calls us lawbreakers before he saves us. We're praying for those who are different than us, for our businesses, for our medical facilities, for our retirement communities, for our schools, for the nonprofits, for the churches. Let me ask you a question. Church family, I know it's hard to pray. I know that this is difficult, but how is your prayer life? Are you doing it? No. <laughs> nope. I am not praying for my enemies, and Caleb ain't either. <laughs> Man, how do, you, how do you do that? How, how in the world do we pray for our city? How do we genuinely care for the person that gets on our last good nerve? 
How do we, how do we genuinely show concern for someone that annoys us or that ruined our business or that ruined our marriage or ruined our lives or, or, or actually pushed us out of our home and made us feel so uncomfortable by, by forcing us to live among their rule and their way and, and, and their reign? How, how in the world can I pray for somebody that I don't like, I don't care about. It's not my priority. Well, before we talk about how, we have to figure out why. The hows are often answered fairly easily when we can nail down a solid why. And if you say that you are a Jesus follower, not a church attender, if you say that you are a legitimate Jesus follower, then nine times out of 10, your why, 10 times out of 10, your why is the good news of Jesus Christ. The reason why you do what you do, the purpose of your life, your mission, your plan, the big deal is this amazing story, this amazing gospel story, this good news. I got two people, this, this amazing story, this, this good news, this awesome love story. And I'm not talking about Romeo and Juliet or Jerry Maguire, oh, you complete me. I'm not talking about that. What, what, what I'm talking about is this story that, that this God man left heaven, left his holy and happy, perfect little space, this awesome space that, that God had, that Jesus had, and he came down to live among nasty, trifling, stanky, lying, backstabbing, gossiping, power move, superiority complex people. He chose to not only come down, but he chose to live among them. Imagine that, this God, this Jesus could have been anywhere, could have had any zip code he wanted, but he chose Nazareth of all places. And the Bible literally says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, can anything come from Oakland, like the Raiders? Can, can, can anything positive, anything good come out of the hood, come out of, out of a, a lowly, no-name place? Can anything, his name is Jesus. And Jesus chose not only to come from there, but he, he chose to dwell among. Many of you have come from hard places, but you never want to go back because you don't, you don't want to remind yourself of that place. Cool thing about Jesus, not only did he come from there, but he dwelt among them. He touched them. He let them touch him. He ate their food. <laughs> he, he literally dwelt. So what, what is my why? What, what is my motivation? What is my purpose? What, what is the thing that drives me to go beyond my mind and go beyond my feelings and go beyond my emotions? It is that I am because he is. I, I, I exist and I can, not because of my degrees, not because of my 401k, not because of my cool house, not because of my hairline, because I don't have one, but I can because he is. 
The only way I love, the only way I care about you is because I respond to the fact that he loves me in spite of me. He looks beyond my inconsistency as a father and my inconsistency as a husband, my bad temper, sometimes my bad mouth, and he still chooses to love me. And when I embrace my why, my great purpose, naturally, I will shine on others, not because I'm so cool, but because I'm so available to this awesome God who's done everything for me, I can't help but look like him. So, so, so that's the why, this great love story. Jesus came down, saved us all from ourselves, and he, didn't not only, he not only died, but he resurrected from the grave, giving us power to be able to live. That's the gospel. Now, here's the question. After you cover the why, how do you do this? Like, I get it. I get it. Okay, okay, Jesus came. Whoo, great. He resurrected. Whoo, great. All right, how do you do this? Jeremiah helps us. Jeremiah chapter, chapter 29, uh, 5 and 6 helps us. It screams. It screams to you and it screams to me. Live. Live. And don't just live any kind of way. It, it, it screams to us, live among them. <laughs> Okay, let's just hurry. Let's just hurry. We're just going to go right now. If you're more concerned about how you can drop something off and less concerned about how you can be with, that's a heart issue. If, if, if you're ready to go and, and do a service project, but you're not ready to go on your date night, it's a heart, that's a heart issue. Jesus wasn't, wasn't just saying to be among and to live among because he had this, this awesome idea to do a drive-by ministry or, to a, or, or do, a, do a service project. His life was a service project. <laughs> I'm not going to be thinking about praying for you if I don't hang out with you. You're not going to be on my mind and on my heart if I am not with you. If you're the people over there, then I'm not going to be praying for you when, when, my kids, when, when my kids and I, when we're, we're on our knees praying, we're not thinking about you. We're thinking about us. And we're thinking about the people that we like or the people that we hang. Oh, man. So, so what that means is I probably have to, to talk and converse with people and hang out with people that I don't like. Dang it. Shoot, <laughs> that means I have to reorient, re reorient my life around those people, the, the, those people. And I, I love it. I love it because Jesus, throughout his life, this whole gospel story, Jesus not only hung out with the poor and the promiscuous, but Jesus also hung out with the prominent and the publican and, and the sinner, the, the, the white-collar crime and the other kind of crime. He, 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 he hung out with the tax collector, the ones that robbed the people. Jesus recruited one of them and said, be not just in public, not just this whole pulpit preaching thing in public, but in private. A part of his inner circle was one of these people. 
wasn't a, a one-time thing. I invited him to my house one time that year just so we can say this among our friends. <laughs> As Jesus grew, his popularity grew, and more people were drawn to him not because of the stuff he said, but because of the things that he did. My brother, my sister, homies, friends, all y'all. My prayer for you, my prayer for us, is that by living among, by being with our brother, as it says, Jeremiah 29, 5, build houses, <laughs> get married. As it says in, in this text, my prayer for you is that we will, we will actually get out of our house beyond just rushing to work, that, that, that we'll actually get out of our own way and literally be a part of the social fabric of our society, of our city. That we will be, first of all, a city within a city. Matthew chapter 5, let your light so shine. Let it shine in such a way that you will look like a city. That it won't be just me, superhero Matthew, but I will join with my brother and with my sister. And that first of all, number one, we'll be a city within a city. That our light will shine in such a way that those who need something greater than themselves will see. Jesus in this community of faith, whether you're in your corporate office or, 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 or you're working in your front yard or, or you're at a retirement home, where, wherever it is, wherever your place is, that they will see us together, a city within a city shining. Then not only that, but Pastor Caleb mentioned it, not only will we be a city within a city, but my prayer is that we'll be ambassadors. That, that we'll be resident aliens, that, that not only will we be here dwelling among, but that we will be this weird type of people, we'll be this weird type of group that loves folks who are unlovable. It's so easy just to talk about the poor and the marginalized, but oh, have you ever shared your faith with someone who had a million dollars more than you had? Ooh, that's hard to start sharing your faith with, with, with those folks who've made it. My prayer is that our heart will be burdened not only for the least of these, but they will be burdened, our hearts will be burdened for the least of these. I think you got it. <laughs> that, that we will be ambassadors. What is an ambassador? That's somebody who lives, literally lives within a foreign land and they represent another country. That we won't blend, but that we'll be bold enough to not only be with them, but to lead them to something greater than ourselves. The only way that I'm going to remember to pray is if I am with them. My prayer is echoed in Jeremiah 29, 7. Pastor Caleb read it beautifully, as best as a cowboy could. <laughs> my prayer, 
is similar to that prayer in that text. That we will genuinely pray for the peace of this land, not the one that we will call home eternally, but this place, this city that we will be sojourners through. God, we thank you. We praise you. We are excited about the fact that you loved us enough to give your life for us. Even while we were sinners, you literally died for us. Pray, God, that that will be not only something that's cool to say or cool to mention, but I pray that'll be a reality in all of our hearts in such a way that it will drive us to be among those same folks that you chose to live your life among, driving us to care for them, to be compassionate enough to open up our mouths and talk to a holy, mighty God, praying sincerely for people we might not necessarily agree with. That we would open up our mouths and talk to a holy God that we might not just we might not care for certain, that we just begin to pray in such a way that our hearts start to change. We thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen.